It's on. Oh, I missed. Oh, I did too. This can there is sweating. We there we go. Redemption at its God. finest. This is episode 64 of The Covert Show. I was waiting for Nick to do the introductions, but we're oh. doing the old swap because it's, it's felt like a long time since I've been the one to introduce the podcast, but I'm JC. Nick is joining us as always, and today's beverage of choice, Bud Light Seltzer Sour Raspberry. Also, Parlor Root Beer Birch Beer. Excellent in both cases. Nick, there we go. It's been a rough go of it for your hockey team. Before we get into it, what's the drink of choice tonight? Well, we got currently just a crack open for the show. We got a bush latte, and then sitting on deck, we have another one. But also, we're gonna open up at a a Samuel Adams summer ale. It's a citrus wheat ale. I picked up a Samuel Adams summer pack over the weekend just to try while I was kind of grilling out and doing some stuff. So. Definitely a, a must-try for you IPA or frat boy type people. Um, we'll throw that one out there. If you haven't seen the TikTok, go watch it. It'll be on Instagram this week. Yeah, so. that was uh, a highlight from last episode. Uh, we'll jump right into it here with the NHL. And we talked about it last time. We were very, very polar opposite of what we thought was going to happen in this series. I had Vegas in five. You had Florida in six. Vegas has, I, I can't even say I thought it was going to go this well for them, but they are up 2-0. They have thumped Florida in it, it, every single uh, way you possibly could. 5-2 in game one, 7-2 in game two. We'll break them both down individually because it's a repeat from one to two game-wise I'm talking there. It's kind of a repeat, except Vegas got better, seemingly, in Game 2. Before we jump into any specifics, you've watched at least part of these games, uh, the first couple. What, were, what are some things you're seeing? I mean, I'm sure you're torn because your team came back against Boston down 3-1, which is what I've been seeing all over the Internet is how, you know, this is just what Florida does. But this feels different, I would have to believe, because they're getting throttled. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Because I mean, the the biggest the biggest thing is is one you have Big Bob sitting in the back of the net, and let's see after well the first or the second game that was bad. He allowed four goals. Other game allowed five so i mean you you now bench him especially at the end of i believe it was the second period he got mm. benched and so now you're taking a look in at seeing how lion can do and he had three goals against there too but i mean still when you're down basically four nothing going into two periods i mean it's tough for a backup another backup goalie to come in and, and try to get the job done and it also doesn't help that florida is just they get a lot of shots there, but it seems like Hill is just playing outstanding, which it's not seem he is. Hill is playing out of his mind right now, especially with that early stick save in game one where he just put the heel of the stick out. That was pure skill and luck all at the same time. Cause I mean, he had the reaction time to get it out there and he was praying that he hit the stick. I think it was um, stall who shot it for Florida. I mean, you're not able to, to cash in on basically almost an open net. So, it's defensively Florida is able to keep up early 
and then Vegas in the first couple of periods able to just kind of dominate and do what they do. That's going to be the biggest thing is going now to home on tomorrow night's game. It's going to be interesting to see how Florida is able to do because now you're out, out Kachuk, which we were talking about it before the show, and you you kind of mentioned this. A lot of the West Coast people and fans of hockey are now seeing what Kachuk does, and Kachuk is a guy who just gets he gets after it. He's very he's kind of a bully on the ice and that's been his play style all year long. And you've even seen the threads. It's Oh, everybody it's Kachuk. That's what he does. Well, when you make a clean hit like that, yeah, you're fine. But when you go straight into going on a fist fight and you get three 10 minute majors and you're now out for the entirety of the next game, possibly the next, what is it? Two games or is he just out the, the next one? I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything that he's officially out, out, but the thing, we talked about it way back. Well, I say way back, but it's been like a podcast ago. An episode. There were, there were two things I said. Bobrovsky and Kachuk will determine if Florida can stay in it, and Florida can't score enough to keep up with Golden Knights. Yep. Both have come true. I think, you know, game one's probably realistically 4-2. You know, there was a couple of things that were iffy in there. But you look at the scoring of Florida, and I'm going to sound like a broken record. Two in both games against the Golden Knights. They cap out at four. Yeah. The Florida Panthers, look at their scoring in the last series. Four, one, two, three. All one-goal games. You go back to Toronto. Four, three, three, one, three. You go back to Boston. They've only scored more than... um, in the playoffs more than uh, four goals a couple of times, six against Boston and seven against Boston in that wild uh, game six when they won seven, five. And then you look at the flip side of this coin and you look at Vegas, they had to, they had to score big. Oh yeah. You look at that series against Edmonton. I mean, you look at it, uh, in the Edmonton series, six one five one four five. You go back to Winnipeg, four four five five one. The consistency of four to five goals has been there, and to be quite honest, unless Florida figures something out, I think you can beat them with four goals a game. I I would agree on that, and that's that's the biggest thing. Also, is you have to look at how. Florida is playing it. Like I said, they play very good defensive or defensively early, but then as the, as the first period goes on, it almost seems like they start wearing down and whether or not that was the overtime, whether or not they're getting just outskated and outplayed, which honestly it seems like, and I'm as much as I can attest to being a Florida fan. It's like it, it's shown Vegas is definitely, I will say the better team when it just comes to being a power team. Florida can kind of finesse their way through. They've been the comeback kids. Boston, they were down 3-1. They were able to come back and win the series and and take it home. Carolina, uh, able to get that done. Toronto, they were able to stomp through. And so, I mean, they've played good teams. They've played experienced teams. But this Vegas team almost seems different. It seems like if – I don't know if Boston was here or Jersey would be here – the story would be different on whether or not it'd be a little bit more competitive. I think it might be, but at the same time you look at Florida, I mean the, the normal goal scores that you have besides Kachuk, I mean, you still have stall who's been playing decently well. 
Um, you got Barkov, who has scored a couple in the playoffs here as well. So, I mean, um, you got Verhege. I mean, they're they're just not getting enough. But of all those names you said, Verhege's been completely quiet. Barkov's Very not much done so. much. Kachuk has done more fighting and penalty time than actually <laughs> scoring. The thing to me is it, it seems once Florida gets down, and in game one, it didn't they were tied going to the third. If they can mm-hmm. keep the composure, they can have a chance to win, but it's down the stretch of these games. You've alluded to it. They're so bad at the composure. They want to fight Vegas. And Vegas and here, just the, shrugs them off because Vegas is a disciplined team. Yeah, and here's the thing about this. I will say this. That has kind of been Florida's MO, especially in this playoff a little bit. They'll mm-hmm. get a couple of scraps, and teams will fight. Mm-hmm. Or teams will – Boston, for example. Boston was just getting their buttons pushed the entirety of the back half of the series, and Boston was starting to let it get to them. Mm. Vegas yep. has so far not – not let it get to them at all. They don't really want to play that game, which is great. Fine. Do that as a They'll team. They'll play that not... game up until the fighting. Because oh, if yeah. you – I don't know what you watched of game two, but there's a solid three minutes in there where the puck is basically sitting in the middle being batted back and forth while players just body slam each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is it is wild to watch because Florida wants to amp it up. Florida wants to hit, and Vegas basically goes, okay – and then Florida Georgia. wears themselves out, and Vegas Vegas can light up the lamp. Yeah. I mean, 5-7 and seven tells you that, but I, the way Florida gets back into it is, and you touched on it, Bobrovsky's been hung out to dry. Very much. Vegas is the first team I've seen that really has screened Bobrovsky at all. And that's where they're getting their goals, because like good hockey teams do, you put somebody down in front, and half the time Florida's been screening their own keeper. Yeah, and I think also that that's the one thing is not a lot of teams have been successful. Like, Boston was successful early in the first half of the series. Maple Leafs weren't able to really get it done. Carolina, obviously, not able to get it done. Vegas has, like you said, been the best team to screen off of. And the way they're doing it that is they're getting a lot of separation in that zone. And then as soon as Florida's trying to pick it back up, like you said, they're screening Bobrovsky left and right. So, I mean... It's almost Florida needs to get out of their own way and still play tight, but not just so tight that you're going to get in front of your own keeper. The, because Hill has had no problem trying to get off screens at all. Well, Hill has been <laughs> been there, and so. The problem with Hill is he is habitually out of position. Oh, yes. If Florida can get him moving laterally across the pipes, the, the goals will be there. But they haven't been able to do that. And the other thing is the the question, I think, one of the things Florida really has to ask themselves, fighting and hitting's your game. But look where it's gotten you now. Exactly. You will talk about penalty minutes and all this coming up, but you they almost have to pivot. And I don't know... I think the frustration's too boiled in at this point for them to pivot the way they need to. I'm not saying lighten up to where you're not hitting, but play whistle to whistle. And this goes to another thing that I've noticed in some Florida fans are kind of, they, they don't agree. Kachuk should have been thrown out multiple times. We'll get to that once we start talking about game two, but 
the officials have had not a great grasp on this game. No. Especially game two. Game one was fine for the first two periods because it was 1-1. You know, they had the scrum out in front of Hill in the first period, whatever. But game two early, when this is getting out of hand, it's two to nothing after one, four to nothing after two. They wait till the last seven minutes to do anything. And there's been a lot of people that have been irritated from the Florida side of, well, why do why do we keep giving everybody ten minute majors? And I once we get to game two, I've got a I've got a theory for you to chew on for why okay. game two all those were given. So okay. on that note, we'll flash back to game one. Eric Stahl gets the shorty right out of the gate. One nothing Florida. Vegas answers with a power play goal. It's one one after one. The teams again both. Theodore and Duclair get one in the second. And then Vegas starts chipping away. White Cloud gets one. Mark Stone gets one bad turnover in front of the net that they looked at for high sticking. And then Riley Smith gets the game winner. So you look at game one, 5-2 looks bad. But with 10 minutes to go, it was a 3-2 game. So you're not, you know, it wasn't great. But it also wasn't, you know... Bad, bad. You look at the penalty minutes. No, and I think – I was going to say, I think the one thing that really set that apart last that last score, especially when you say it was the, the 10 minutes out, is when you get a goal like that, I mean, it's hard for Florida to be able to bounce back once you get down two on that side of a high-scoring hockey team, especially in the playoffs. So I think that was the biggest nail in the coffin was that fourth uh, that fourth goal – very, very late in the game. So, and because this series is played out, let's go through the penalties. First period, Nick Cousins got a roughing against Aiden Hill. Uh, William Carrier got a roughing against Kachuk. Uh, Muhara, I guarantee you I butchered his name, got an interference against William Carlson. Okay, so penalties are pretty even. Second period, uh, Muhara, sorry, Josh Muhara, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I butchered it, uh, for the Panthers. has got his second penalty of the game right there. Shea Theodore gets a hooking. Okay, so it's 3-2. to two. There's no real beef there. Okay, we go right into the third period. First 10 minutes, Nicholas Waugh gets a hooking. 3-3. Three, three. In the final 10 minutes, Florida gets eight penalties, including Eric Stahl cross-checking, the unsuccessful challenge that's a delay of game, Kachuk roughing uh, in there uh, for the roughing penalty, Kachuk misconduct. Remember that. So he's got the roughing and the misconduct. So there's 12 minutes of penalties for him. Write that down on a piece of scratch paper because that's going to be important uh, for those listening. Nick's not going to like it, but it is going to be important for game two. Uh, Chandler Stevenson gets a roughing and a misconduct as well. Bennett's uh, Sam Bennett gets a roughing and a misconduct and Radko Gudis gets a misconduct in there as well. All of that's in the last 10 minutes. That's when Vegas has frustrated the hell out of Florida. Remember, 10.04 to go, it's still 3-2. Mark Stone hasn't had that goal in front yet. Okay, so that's game one. Penalty minutes, 46-18 to Florida. Face-offs about even. Vegas, 39-35. Shots about even. Florida outshot Vegas, 35-34, which, spoiler, they'd outshoot them in game two as well. Hits 36-29 Florida. 
Okay, that's game one. You're thinking, you know, don't love the penalties. White Cloud got the uh, one-star, two-star Mark Stone. Aiden Hill was the third star of the game with an absolutely ridiculous stick save, reminiscent of old Braden Holtby, who was doing that in the exact same net the first time Vegas went to the Stanley Cup. They got thumped in five games. So let's move to game two. You know, if you're Florida, you're thinking, you know, it was it was fluke. It was whatever you want to say. Somehow, the, yeah. somehow Vegas comes out even better. Power play goal, seven minutes in. Alec Martinez, assisted by Barbashev and uh, Marshall, make it 2-0 after one. You know, you're in Vegas, a place that you've never won in. As a Florida fan, you're going, don't love it. Nope. Nicholas Waugh, Brett Howden score in the second period. It's 4 to nothing. But 14 seconds into the third period, it's 4-1. Marcia Saul gets the answer back, makes it 5-1. Michael Amadio gets one at 10-33, 6-1. Kachuk finally scores. Finally gets his first of the Stanley Cup. Makes it 6-2. Brett Howden on a power play makes it 7-2. So I alluded to it there. I gotta gotta find my had a stat line pulled up about the old <laughs> uh how bad it's been for Florida that I oh, seem to have well. misplaced. Oh, there it is. So here's the Florida Vegas. Could have series. misplaced it harder. <laughs> so it's four, five, and one all time. But in Vegas, 2017-5-2 Vegas win. 2019 in Vegas, a 6-5 shootout win for Vegas. 2020, 5-3 win for Vegas. 22, 5-3 win in Vegas. And this year, 4-2 win in Vegas. Now in Florida, it's a different story with the Panthers winning 2-1 this year, 4-1 in 22, losing in 20. Uh, winning in 19, 3-1, and then winning again in 18, 4-3. So with all that being said, 4 to nothing after 2, the game feels over. So let's talk some penalties, shall we? Because <sighs> that's oh. the exact reaction every Florida fan has. Before we even get to it, here's your penalty total oh. minutes. 84 for Florida. In the Stanley Cup, 84 minutes of penalties. Vegas not far behind at 64. So you start in the first. Lomberg gets a cross check. Montour gets a roughing. Nicholas Waugh gets a hook. Pretty normal stuff. You know, three penalties. You're you're average. I'm going to need an oxygen tank for the second and third period. So Barbashev gets a roughing against Colin White. Colin White gets a slashing against Aiden Hill. Those happened at the same time. 10-01, Alex Petrangelo gets an interference. Notice how many of these are Vegas. You know, you're a Florida fan. I'm not necessarily taking a shot at you, but Florida fans on the internet have been saying how this has been skewed heavily to Florida. Every third I, period. Here's my saying. This is the one thing I will say. Any team that is in a playoff, any team that is in a championship, anything, there will be bad calls. Yeah, always. absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's magnified when it's your team. Refs. It's, it's never the, it's not always 
the officiating fault mm-hmm. because at some point at the end of the day, your team has to either stop committing penalties, <laughs> make adjustments, play the game the right way. And Florida has not been able to do that. So I'm sorry, sorry, Panther fans, the newest one in the house that has been here, but been watching more this year, guys, it's, it, it's us. It's, it's not the refs. It's us. And I was going to say it's magnified when it's your team. I was, I was talking to RC about this. Hockey may be the most difficult sport that I've ever watched. You know, baseball's tough, but there's a lot that can go on. Hockey is impossible to watch impartially when it's your team. Like, oh, you, yeah. you cannot see the other side of the equation at all. Very and much so. And so, we go back to our penalties here. Carrier gets a roughing against Mark Stahl, 12-35. Again, Vegas. I guess I should probably be saying whether these are Vegas or not. Since, you know, not everybody's <laughs> diehard, like, locked in on this series. Uh, Alex Petrangelo gets a roughing against Forsling. Forsling gets a roughing against Petrangelo. Kachuk gets a roughing against Barbashev. Barbashev gets a roughing against Kachuk. All those offset, plus Kachuk and Barbashev get misconducts. So on your handy-dandy notebook paper that I know all of our podcast listeners have uh, written down, there's 12 in the first game for Kachuk. There's another 12 right there. Roughing, that's two. Misconduct, that's 10. Jeez. And you're probably thinking to yourself, J.C., why are you having to write this down? There's no way that Kachuk got penalized any more than 24 minutes in two games. Well, like I said, you, as we move to the you, third period, I need an oxygen tank because we sauced <laughs> them and tossed them like wings down at B-dubs, baby. Third period, <laughs> three minutes in, Verhage cross-check. Okay. Again, there's, uh, nothing, there's nothing too crazy. Just 14-01. Kachuk, misconduct number two in the same game. Okay, so you think, all right, you know, Kachuk's, Kachuk's the bad apple if you're a Vegas fan, you know. Kachuk's just doing what Kachuk does if you're a Florida fan. Well, we're not done yet. I needed an oxygen tank, man. Two in one period, that's, that's not going to do it. 16-14. Casey Fitzgerald and Keegan Colasar get tossed. 16-28, Anthony Duclair cross-checks Barbashev. He gets a misconduct. Um, Eric Stahl, I didn't even know this was the penalty he got called for. He got called for abuse of officials. So that's that's automatically not a good, <laughs> that's not a good that, look there. That was definitely one I did not see because I, I will be... There was a lot going on. I mean, to track every penalty when you're watching it at that point was... They weren't announcing it either. Well, and also, I think I finally, like, turned the game off and just said, I'm, I'm done with this, and I'll say it, dumpster fire, shit show, whatever you want to freaking call the damn game. It was tough to watch. So we keep going. Then... Cousins of Florida and Zach Whitecloud get misconducts. Now, bear in mind, this is all in under 10 minutes to go. So these guys are sauced and tossed. Get them out of here. So at this point, for those keeping track in the third, for Florida, up until 1841, um, Nick Cousins, Anthony Duclair, Casey Fitzgerald, and Matthew Kachuk of Florida has been tossed. Keegan Colasar and Zach Whitecloud have been tossed. Okay. Riley Smith gets a cross-checking penalty with uh, very little, I think it was eight seconds maybe in the game. He cross-checks Montour. He gets tossed. 
Sam Reinhardt gets tossed. Brett Howden gets tossed. So, circling back to everything I just said, in the third period, here were the misconducts for Florida. Kachuk, Fitzgerald, Duclair. Uh, I assume Stahl got tossed with the abusive officials. That seems like he was probably gone. Uh, Cousins and Reinhardt. And then Colasar, <laughs> Colasar, White Cloud, Riley Smith, and Brett Howden for Vegas. And this is what happens when you don't control the game early. They did a, a, a less than great job in game one and followed that up, I'd say, even worse. Because you know how Florida's going to react getting absolutely thumped. It's yes. four to nothing after two. Florida doesn't. Florida's not going to muster four goals in a period unless it's an absolute collapse on Vegas's part. But, yeah, so my unofficial count is Kachuk had 34 minutes of penalties in two games. If I'm a Florida fan and, you know, being an Eastern Conference team, I'm really not. Not. How they want to – the fans want to complain about this second uh, misconduct. He smacked the stick out of one of the Vegas players' hands. It's already so Kachuk got it at fourteen oh one. That would make our score six to two, I think. Cause he got tossed pretty shortly after he scored. Yes. It's and this circles back to what I was talking about. I feel like a six to two game, the officials and I'm gonna pardon my language on this one, but the officials said, Fuck it. It's six to two. Oh yeah. Florida has no offense. Let's just get these guys out of here. Florida had like four people on the bench in the last two minutes of the game. I feel like if this game had been close, say instead of six to two, it's six to four. I feel like the officials get a little less tossy at the end, but I feel like the officials finally took control of this game in the last uh, six minutes or so because the game's out of reach. You know, I, I, I yeah. can I can sympathize with what the Florida fans are. They tossed him pretty light, and Kachuk's slash was, you know, didn't warrant misconduct. Maybe, but it's six to two. The head hunting is it, that's already going on, and you're trying to instigate stuff is not going to get better in the last six minutes. So no, I'm of the opinion, whatever, toss him. I mean, when you have guys, you know. Riley Smith, Sam Reinhardt, and Brett Howden with eight seconds in the game getting tossed. That's what it looks like to me. Now, granted, again, I don't have a horse in the race, so I can try to look at it a little more unbiased than most. But it's challenging for me watching Florida, mostly because they shelled Carolina, who made the Devils look bad, and now – the team that shelled the team that made the Devils look bad also looks like absolute. Looks bad. I'm not saying we would have beat Vegas in the in the Stanley Cup, but I don't think we get seven and five hung on hung on us in back to back games. That's all I'm saying. I I would agree with you on that, and and we talked about this, and you mentioned it already in this episode. If Big Bob gets beat in the net early. That sets the tone for Vegas 100%. But Florida can't control themselves. 
No, if and that Florida, is also it's, the biggest thing. It's two to nothing after one. Two to nothing is not a big deficit to come back from. No. Unless Florida has already told themselves the only way we're winning this is if we score two. And if that's the case, unless Vegas just like gives up like they did games, uh, I want to say three and four, or no, four and five in the Dallas series where they roll over in game six for some, or mm, game five, I guess it would have been. If they roll over like they did in game five against Dallas for some unexplicable reason, then maybe two would beat them. But you can't score two at this stage of the game. You got to score four. You got to score at least four. Yeah, and they have to be able to put up some offense, and that's and the that's composure. the one thing that's going to be scary to see. That's the thing that kills is, me is you, the absolute inability, and you know you probably watched them more than I have, but I knew I I know why we we've watched Kachuk. You know what yeah. he is, but the whole team seemingly just has an inability to not try to start something when they get down by three or four goals, which is so counterintuitive because unless you're trying to go out of your way to hurt the other team, what are you doing? You're down four to nothing after two, taking a series of penalties with a cross-check three minutes into the third period. You can't do that. No, and... To me, it almost seems like you can play this game all day long. Like Florida is going to keep playing this even at home in Florida. They're going to play it when it go. Hopefully, I shouldn't say when. Hopefully, if it goes back on the road against against Vegas, they're going to be looking to try to play this game all the time because that that's just what their mo is at this point. It's worked for them in the playoffs. It's kind of and honestly, the biggest thing is for them it's kept their momentum in a couple of these games. Like Boston, it seemed like they were out. It seemed they were done when it was uh, 3-1. 3-1 lead. And so now you're really looking at this like, okay, is this just how we need to get momentum? But Vegas but doesn't does it... play that game. Vegas, exactly. you can't instigate Vegas the way you did Boston. And Vegas no. doesn't make the stupid – I'll be honest with you. Boston, there is no way Boston should have lost that series up 3-1. Omar gives you a game, uh, can't remember if it's five or six, where he wandered out of the net, passed it back, and Kachuk's just standing in front of the net that's wide open. Like, Vegas won't make those mistakes. No. And And you – I just – I don't know – I just – I don't see a route unless – you know, I'm not saying to stop completely, but – but calm down the after the whistle antics. Yeah, because that's that's going to be the biggest it ain't going to work can for they? you. Yeah, is can you stop those after whistle antics? And in some situations, I would say you don't need to, but they need to pick the right moments of when it works. And if when it doesn't. the game is close, like it was in game one, then okay. In the third period, you can. Go go for it. Seeing and instigate them, yeah. but when you're down four on the road in a place you've never won in a series you've looked terrible in, maybe pump the brakes. Yeah, well, because the was... second you lose Kachuk, your offense is gone. Yeah, granted, there's some others. You know, uh, uh, Anton Lundell scored in game two. Uh, in game one, 
Duclair and Stahl. And Stahls was shorthanded, and Vegas absolutely misplayed it. But you, So there's other scoring. But the catalyst for your team can't get sauced and tossed in the third period if the game's close. Well, and that that's the biggest thing is I think it was in game one to get that um, to get that second goal in the second period. I think it was Montour. He was coming back on the ice after um, I believe it might have been an icing call or something like that. Montour was coming back on the ice. He got skated into, and you can see in the replay that Montour is eyeing. I don't even remember who it was for Vegas coming straight oh, up the ice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and remember what got, you're talking about. And he got, quote-unquote, it wasn't really decked, but he just got decked and knocked over. And so then all of a sudden you kind of get a little bit of a catalyst going. And then I believe it was Duclair who scored that goal like 10 seconds after that. So, I mean, that's – in situations like that, granted, is that some stupid childish NBA bullshit of I'm going to flop just to to get the call or I'm going to flop just to get – I believe like – Nebraska, and I'll say this, Nebraska basketball, because this is the biggest point of view that I can make on it. Like a year ago, they were huge on trying to stop in the middle of a dribble going down the court just normal when they had a defender behind them, and the defender would come up and bounce off their back, they'd get fouled. One, I freaking hate that call. This is my French coming in. It's a fucking bullshit thing to do. That should be an offensive foul just because you can't just stop sitting there on purpose like that. That's so bullshit. And if you do it in basketball just to try to get a call, bro, get off your freaking ass and actually try in the game. I'm I'm truly sorry. Like, it pisses me off. That's such a bullshit tic-tac way to play. You're I not wrong. Really ha- I wasn't happy with it when Montour did it either. But then again, it was a little less blatantly obvious, even though the camera had him staring down whoever it was coming up the ice. The entire time. Well, that's the thing, too, is the the and the way the officiating's been almost could benefit Florida if they played their cards right. Oh, yeah. Because they don't really call anything until seemingly the, you know. The end of the game. The last five minutes of the seven minutes of the game. But the problem with that whole theory there is. I just it, it amazes me because they're so bad on the power play. That's been the other part of this thing is you look at the power play numbers for them. I uh, can't pull those up at the moment for some reason. But you Taking look at a hiatus in the middle. But you look at the power play uh. numbers and the chances have been there. They just can't do anything on them. So well, that's was... that's the other part of this equation, too, is, you know, everybody wants to get all mad that Vegas is, you know, all these penalties are called. It's not like Vegas hasn't had their own. Vegas has had 82 penalty minutes in two games, and that's the least penalized team in the league. Granted, Florida's got 130 because in game one they had 28 more, and in game two they had 20 more. So it's not like Florida's, you know, that's not like it's a 84 on Florida and like 20 on Vegas. Like they're not skewed that heavily. It's just Florida's seem more, I, I would say, 
Florida's minutes seem more blatant strictly because it's affected them a hell of a lot more than it's affected Well, Vegas. part of the thing for Florida when it, is when they get theirs, the game's over already. Yeah. And so when people Vegas can – and in, you look, okay, of the 130, let's be final. real uh, for the um, game two uh, back half, half of that's because the game's over. So you look at 84, yeah. probably almost Game literally half of the um, stuff has come from that point. So that's the just sheer fascinating part for me as how the 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 play hasn't been up to par at all for Florida and Vegas has just capitalized on it. Yeah, and I think Vegas will continue to capitalize on that if Florida can't stop themselves from getting in their own way. And that, to me, has been the biggest issue that I've seen in this entire series is that Florida is just their own monster at this point. They're not doing anything to really help themselves. They're they're not giving Barco, or, um, Bobrovsky a break in the net. I mean, still, when he gets when he gets the chance to actually make the save, not get screened by his own guys, when he's actually playing to the game level – he has been outstanding, but when you get pressured so much behind or at your own net in your own zone, they just pepper. Him. You're not, yeah, and that's the bad thing too. Is that the redirects have been outstanding for Vegas. Florida has not been able to capitalize much at all on any redirects, so that takes it back into a whole standing of how can you help your goalie out? Is you need to be able to get on that as soon as that shot gets off. Florida needs to be able to be there because Vegas is sitting, sitting, waiting, gritting at the teeth for that. It's it's like they got a steak knife and a fork and they're ready to carve right back into that damn turkey. Like they're they're sitting there just drooling over a redirect shot, and Florida is letting them have it the entire time. Fun That's fact: the biggest thing I've seen from this. None of the stars of the game have been the same for Vegas in either game, which is interesting, and plays back to what we talked about in the first. Uh, well, I shouldn't say the first podcast, but last podcast is the depth of Vegas is good. Marcia Salt gets the oh, first yeah. star. Ivan Barbashev's the second star. Brett Howden's the third star in game two. Remember in game one, it was White Cloud, Stone, and Hill. Not one of them's the same. So no. that's something that it is going to be fascinating. Uh, we're talking some some picks also for this. Game three comes out. By the time this podcast is released, will be today. Uh, it's back down in Florida. The and I don't know how mad this will make you as a Florida Panther fan since, you know, you're not a, a Florida guy, but will the crowd have the same effect in Florida that it did in Vegas? Because in looking for tickets, and granted the resale, so they might get scooped up at the last second, there's a lot of tickets for games three and four down in Florida still, especially game oh, four. Yeah. So will the crowd play the same effect that it did in Vegas? My answer that's no. Because Vegas, that place was rocking. I mean, granted, their team's doing well, so that helps. You know, I've, I've seen the Devils this year where, you know, they get thumped, so the crowd's taken out of it. But from the puck drop, can Florida Panther fans being down 2-0 to Vegas, can they bring that same energy in Game 3 and Game 4? I don't think they can bring the same energy yet. 
I think it'll still hopefully be a packed house, which obviously if it, if it's not, then that's fans throwing away themselves. Like you're throwing away the series already, which granted, yes, at this point it just, it doesn't look promising. There have been crazier things to happen, but it's only two games. Exactly. You're not down three Oh, you don't need to win four in a row. No. And that, that was need to win with... four of the next six. Yeah. And that was for a team that won 11 fans. of their last 12. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not sitting in a horrible spot yet. You're not trying to dig yourself out of your own grave yet. Are you are you a little bit kind of back on your heels? Like are are you oh, yeah. pressuring a little bit? One hundred percent. But you're, here's the thing. I was talking to this uh with a couple buddies of mine. It's not a series till the home team loses. Correct. And especially with this one, Florida realistically can maybe hope to take one from Vegas in Vegas. Maybe. So you absolutely have to take, if I'm Florida, preferably game three. Because then, you know, it's two to one. You play looser game four. There's a route there. But at minimum, you have to, obviously, you have to split at home. At minimum. Otherwise, it's done. Because <laughs> it's... But you look at game three. Florida is favored. Uh, I had the line pulled up here. Uh, Florida's a minus 120. So favored, you know, not heavy, heavy. Um, It's just interesting because Vegas is only a plus 100. Uh, the game over under is six goals, which is uh, a fascinating uh, one. Shocking to say the least. Because the other two games have been over six, and it's not even close. Vegas scores about six goals a game in the series as it is. Yeah. So here's my thing. I had Vegas in five. Uh oh. He's. I just don't. You know, the Devils were in this same spot if we flash back all the way to the first round. They got absolutely curb stomped in the first two games against the Rangers. Can Florida will an overtime game in game three? Because if they don't win game three, I, I can't see a way they win game four. Because if they – I just – because it comes down – and it's the same thing I've harped on now for an episode and a half – they can't score enough. They just no. flat out can't score enough. Can Bobrovsky steal game three, in essence, is what it comes down to to me. You know, my initial thought when we talked about this was Golden Knights, take the two at home, split in Florida, take game five at home. It'll come down to I, game three is that pivotal game for me. Because... And it's partially because of how non-composed Florida's been down the stretch. If you lose game three badly, how in the hell can you recover in game four? Because you're going to, inevitably, if game three goes bad, Kachuk's going to get tossed again. Because I don't believe that he has the ability in a game that's lopsided to not try to instigate a fight. To which Vegas is going to do what I think it was Marsha Salt. You know, you're not worth it, little man. Quote. Oh, yeah. Not at Kachuk. I don't remember who the hell it was at. But that's the mentality Vegas has. I think game three, I'm going to. I don't 
think Vegas lights it up as much, but I still think it's 4-1. I think they get the game three, four to one, and then I it, we won't pick game four yet, but I just Florida's still searching for that elusive first playoff win or first Stanley Cup win ever. If they can get it in game three, it feels like there's a route for them. If they lose game three, I think they get swept. I'm I'm going to agree with you on that. If they lose game three, they get swept. I think this is going to be the biggest thing. And this is this is going to be my my hard take here. I think this might be the most goals that Florida scores in this Stanley Cup series. Wow. I think they're I think they're able to get four goals. I think this does go to an overtime because here's here's my thinking about it. At home, they're going to be playing with a lot more kind of a chip on their shoulder just because they have been in this situation earlier. Vegas really has not seen much of a challenge kind of with a a true back against the wall. Dallas was down three one. Well, Dallas Dallas came out and thumped them for two games. I mean, they lost the overtime game, but then they followed that overtime loss by playing like crap in the next game. Yeah. And that was up three Oh, so my, my biggest thing is Florida has been here with Boston and that, that was a tough one. And we can't keep always going back to the Boston series, but here's my thing. It's the best thing you got at this point. It is. Because the, the other two we were now. just absolutely non-competitive series. My biggest thing is I think Florida's going to be able to come out and get this win 4-3 in OT. And that gives them kind of a set step to go on to the next one. But the biggest factor on that is if they can't compose themselves within the first if there's a fight or if there's two fights within the first period or two almost scrums, anything it's game over for Florida. That that's my call. If there, if there's going to be scrums in the first period of just pure nothing, then it's game over for Florida. They get swept. That's, I don't think it's a hot take, but that's, that's what I'm calling my hot take. The, the the big thing for me is can Florida avoid being down two goals after the first period? Because, like I said with the last one, two goals isn't a lot to be down. Yeah. But for Florida, for whatever reason, it feels like, I don't want to say an insurmountable lead, because it's really not. It's only two goals. But the way these games have been played so far, two goals feels like it's enough. Two goal leads enough to hold them off. But, yeah, I think, I don't think they'll light it up, like I said, because, you know, it's down in Florida. But 4-1, I think, and then... I I don't want to go back on my, you know, five-game win, but like you've talked about, it's it's hard to see them winning game four. Because here's the other thing. I think if it gets bad in game three, somebody will lose their composure enough to where they will get ejected, ejected, ejected from the game and suspended. Whether that's yeah. Kachuk whether that's Gudis, whether that's Declare, although I don't even know if Gudis will be back. I've heard nothing about him since that hit. Yeah. That, well, and if and Gudis doesn't Eichel, come back, oh, Eichel will be there. Eichel came back in Eichel, the third period. Well, and, and that was the thing. Gudis, Gudis took the freaking brunt of it. Eichel's hit was even worse. Got up. Yeah, I, yeah, Eichel's Eichel hit just, was worse than Gudis's was. 
the biggest thing for Eichel was, and what I saw this and had not known prior to this information, I saw this earlier, he ended up having like a major neck injury and he got surgery. So he immediately said, nope, done with this bullshit. Don't want to, don't want to play this game. Don't want to get hurt again. And he skated off straight to the locker room, which freaking props to you. You took a smoke show shot. I mean, you got blitzed yeah. up the and, middle. And I think that's one thing for Florida is if Rockus, I again, first name butchering it, but if Gudis isn't in, that's problematic as hell for Florida. Because if Gudis yeah, yeah. isn't in and Kachuk gets tossed if the game gets sideways, who are you turning to? You know, Stahl's there, you got Duclair, but they, the hit guys, if you will, Kachuk and Gudis seem to be. If yeah. you have both of the, if you have neither of them available to you, even if it's for a ten minute period, ten minute time frame, that's catastrophic for Florida. Oh yeah, and Montour's been quiet for a little bit. Verhage's been quiet for the entirety. If of Florida this wins Game series. Three, Verhage will be the difference maker. Yeah, and I, I was kind of just about to say that Verhage needs to get on. If Verhage gets on it might be a different ball game. If you can get Barkov to, to start speaking a little bit of volumes and kind of barking a little bit more, I think you start seeing a little bit more fire. You got to get more of these guys that made a, a minor difference in the Boston series. You got to get them even in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. That's still a decently tough team. It didn't look like it when the series came down to it, but still you got to look at some of the minor guys that really made moves and Verhage and Barkov need to get rolling. But then the question comes, so if, if you get Florida to get three, four goals, can you hold Vegas under four? To which everything I've seen over the last two games here is, I don't think they can hold them under four. I I would agree on that. It It's going to be... Which it's going to be hard, and I'm Florida's going to need a stands tall. I was going to say Florida's going to need a game like they had against Boston, where it was seven to five. They're going to have to have a shootout game to win to yeah. turn the tide of the series, at least. Because I think if you can get one game down in Florida, maybe you can start turning the tide of the series. But it feels like a hell of a mountain to climb right now with everything that's going on. So. There you go. Vegas up 2-0. Our, we're split on game three. Um, yeah, it's, you know, your six-game winner technically isn't over-over. They could turn around a win four in a row. Win, for, win, in Vegas for the, win in Vegas for the first time ever, but, you know. That would be one hell of a feat, especially to do it now. Yeah. So it's it's not over, but it is uh, bleak down in uh, southern Florida. RC and I going to game four, just throwing that out there. Hell yeah. About time that guy I'm, mentioned it. I'm hoping, to see it. I'm hoping, you know, that's why, you know, I was, I was kind of dancing around my five game. I'll be honest with you. I just want to see Vegas sweep so I can see the Stanley Cup raised that the game we're going to. That okay. Like that, I'll, I'll give that's, you that. That's where I'm at. You know, neither one's my team. You know, Vegas is kind of the de facto secondary team at this point, just because you know my good old RC is a, a super fan of them. But you know, at the, in the regular season, I don't really like either of them. So, but yeah, at this point, it's two nothing. 
Florida's looked bad. What? Just sweep them again and raise the cup uh, down in Florida. Wow, that that's hurtful. But at the same time, I've made some hurtful sports comments. You know, on, here's on the, the thing: half. if you were the West Conference team, I would probably like you better too. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean, granted, I I can't say much just because been there, done that, know the feeling of of shit happens, especially in the playoffs. I'm a sports fan. That's never going to, I'm going to back the team. I'm going to play that you played horribly. Like I'm, <laughs> I ain't going to bark up the wrong tree and just say, uh, we didn't lose four games. <laughs> we, we didn't, lose I was those seeing games. how long you could, you avoid bringing that oh. up. The answer was not very long, but Dude, yeah, that's, actually, that's it's a lot longer than we've, than you, you know, I mean, we're what, at 52 and a half hour? minutes. We're at 52 oh, and a half my. minutes. <laughs> I've broken up three camera angles for this bitch. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm that's... gonna have a, I'm gonna have a hell of a time trying to see this because I don't have timestamps because JC is the one recording tonight. Ooh, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna see how this goes at best. And with that, oh, we're gonna man. transition to one from your team in absolute trouble to the Blue Jays, who are I'm not even gonna say in trouble. But we have a rotation that just got a giant question mark thrown into it. Alec Manoa got demoted. Pro pitcher. First thing you think of, oh, he got dumped to double A AA or triple A, right? Well, no. Try rookie level Florida Complex League. From the highest of highs last year in an American League Cy Young Award finalist to this year, when he leaves after the Houston game, which we'll get to, one and seven, six point three six ERA and thirteen starts. Good God Almighty, it's bad. Bad. He His got last. <laughs> well, you talk about getting God. His last outing, and this sounds exaggerated. It really does. Nine batters, eight reach. Six score. He goes one-third of an inning, 38 pitches, gives up a home run, six earned runs, and seven hits. Tough. And we get thumped 11-4 to four by Houston. His Tough. last seven games of record. Here's the inning count. Four innings against Milwaukee. Three innings against Tampa Bay. Four innings against New York, four and two-thirds against Philadelphia, five against Boston, uh, four and two-thirds against Tampa, and the only win of the year, a seven-inning, one-hit rocking of the absolutely abysmal Kansas City Royals. That's eight outings of record. He did not go past the sixth inning in his appearances, uh, so he had five, six, seven, 13 appearances. Of his 13 appearances, two get to the seventh inning. And the last one to get to the seventh inning was April 22nd, a game the Blue Jays lost to the New York Yankees. He got into the sixth inning zero times in that span. Outside of two seven-inning games, five and two-thirds in a Baltimore uh, May 20th, that's as deep as it got. So, and, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine 
that's a Houston Astros fan, you just knew it was coming with Houston. Yeah. You knew, and I hate saying it because, boy, he was great last year. And, you know, some of the games this year, the, the innings weren't there, but it felt like the stuff was getting there. But after you lose to Milwaukee, after three innings against Tampa and four against Milwaukee in back-to-back outings for him, going against Houston was not going to go well. And you look at that and... outing against Houston, and this is a series, and we'll get to why you know it's not doom and gloom time for the Blue Jays, in my opinion, but I'm overly optimistic. So it just... <laughs> Houston's that team you want to play at the end of the year. You'll, you'll hear coaches say it. That's the team we aspire to get to. Right now, Tampa and Houston are those two teams. Texas is there. We'll talk about them coming up. I don't buy them at all. But Houston's that team that you know is going to be in the ALCS. So you're mm-hmm. either going to A, have to beat them to get to the ALCS, or B, if you have any any aspiration of getting to the World Series title, which – Again, biased, and I said a couple of years back the Blue Jays will win uh, World Series in the next five years, which we're still technically in that window. You're on that line. That's the team that you have to get through to get there. So Manoa's gone. So you're probably thinking to yourself, so what's that leave the rotation looking like? Well, the answer to ESPN's depth chart here. So Gosman's the one, makes sense. Bassett's two, Barrios three, Kikuchi four. And right now in the depth chart on ESPN, they have listed Hunjin Ryu, who's on the 60-day IL. So we don't know who the fifth guy is. We have no idea. Maybe you throw Nate Pierce in there. I mean, his uh, record as a starter wasn't great. But maybe you do what Tampa does, where you try to pitch by committee, if you will. But I maybe bring back Joe Jackson. He was one that was brought up uh, and went right after uh, the disastrous start from Manoa. But that that starting rotation, Gosman looked really good last night. Chris Bassett went eight innings tonight. I mean, the 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 front end of the chart, front end of your rotation, I should say. Barrios has been better mostly. Kikuchi's had a hell of a year from where I thought he was going to be after how bad he was last year, but that fifth spot in the rotation gets certainly fascinating. But the Blue Jays, you know, like I said, we're not all doom and gloom here, especially when it comes to the Jays. Not so much Nebraska football, but we got a couple months well, to to stew on that one. You know, <laughs> kind of throw that it's jab Cubs, out there. It's Cubs doom and gloom time. That's what that is. Wow, yeah. Oh, but the Blue boy. Jays are eight for their last ten. Nine and a half out of first, but they're 35 and 28. They're only a game and a half out of the uh, wild card race, uh, to which it looks like Houston would be the team they're chasing, who has the same record as the Yankees do. So there's that. But yeah, you look at the East, it's still the same power duo at the top of Tampa Bay and Baltimore. Baltimore's sagged back to six and a half. They haven't been playing as well. But the other thing about the old Blue Jays schedule, and we talked about it last time of this month and last month, May and June, that is, 
are loaded. Granted, the Jays picked up big sweeps of the Pirates and Braves in teams that are in the NL. But, boy, they hit the skids, dropped three of four to New York, got swept by Baltimore, dropped three of four to Tampa before the Twins and Brewers, you know, helped turn the tide. But, man, you start getting to really the first part of July before the All-Star break, and then August is where you really are going to have a chance to make up some ground. They're not in a bad spot. I mean, seemingly, at least to me. They're not horribly. But they're they're in a stacked division. I mean, you're going to have to be chasing New York, uh, Baltimore, Houston. But you look at the AL and, you know, I feel like this is an a, a, almost a every single podcast comment that's made. The AL Central's so bad, man. Once it's again, not good. thirty-one and thirty-one. They're five hundred. Minnesota, they still have a two and a half game lead because their division's so bad. Cleveland's five games under. Detroit's seven games under. Chicago's eight games under. Kansas City's twenty-eight games under. 18 and 44. And then you look out west, Texas, who I have a hard time buying, is 40 and 21. Then Houston's four and a half back. LA is above 500, but barely at three games over. They're eight back. And then Seattle and the 14 and 50 Oakland Athletics, who, by the way, hung seven runs in the first inning on Pittsburgh today. Pittsburgh. The second the second place team in your division, only a game and a half behind the Met or uh, behind the Brewers who lead your division, by the way. And a team that holds a six game lead over your Cubby Bears got absolutely throttled by Houston or uh, by Oakland. Oakland now in their last two games, nine to five winners today, eleven to two yesterday. They've won their third series of the year, and they have now won two of their last three series. They uh, beat the Braves and lost to the Marlins in a sweep and came back and thumped the Pirates. 20 runs in two games. Will the Athletics make the greatest run of all time? Probably not. No, we're we're not (laughs) calling another Nationals run. I ain't doing that shit. You know, they're only oh 36 gosh. games under 500. <laughs> if they're 27 if Oakland, and a half games out of the sorry to cut you off, but they're 27 and a half games out of the division, which is bad. How about this one? 23 games out of the wild card race. They're 5 games worse than oh. Kansas City is. And we already know on this podcast Kansas City gets no love. No, sadly, the the only closest person to Kansas City was at me at that point, and I I give them some love, but at this point, no love. I don't. They're so bad. <laughs> They're so bad. I was so yeah, mad that are. the Blue Jays lost one of when they had that four game series back in the beginning of the year that they lost the first one to Kansas City. I think Barrios threw oh, that my. game and it didn't go well, or it was Manoa. I don't remember which. Uh, it would have been Barrios because Manoa actually had a good game now that I'm looking at it. But 14 and 50, they only need – you know, the funniest thing about Oakland is right now, they could win 30 
straight games, went an entire month, and they'd still be six games under five hundred. <laughs> Poor. Think, think that's, about that, that. Poor. Think about that. Oh, dude, I don't even want to think about that. 50, I mean, if you, you could win 30 you straight go, games and you would still be 44 and 50. If you can go 30 straight They have straight a minus games. 200 run differential right now. <laughs> They're 7 and 24 at home, 7 and 26 <laughs> on the road with a minus 200. I'm going to say that again because nobody's close oh to that. Minus 200 run differential, 234. And 430 against the Royals, a team we loved. Well, mostly me loves to rip on. It's minus 88. Oh, that's the next closest one. Minus 88. It's so like it's so bad. You You look at the Marlins series. You look at the Marlins series. They lost by two in the last game. 12 to one and four to nothing. I mean, you how do you how? You look I at do, every single stat know. line, and you just—I I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's just me, but I just look at every single stat line they have and go, "How?" Well, and to me, the biggest thing is—is is one. We have said it time and time again. How can you be so bad when it comes to being at a professional level as a team? Uh, well, just one. Take a tip out of the Oakland A's handbook. They're sure to help you. Number two. <laughs> We talked about this earlier on, like, on our warm-up and, like, going through the pregame of the podcast. And here's here's the thing about a lot of these teams, and this is where, um, as my camera just died on temperature, wow, what a shitty time to do so. But here's the thing. Wow. Swing and a miss, strike one. Well, it's sitting on my PS4 because I, I can't find my other, like, little mini tripod to, like, screw it into to stand it up. So that's operator error on Nick's part. So we'll, we'll take that Swing and a miss, now. strike two. Big shot. But here's the big thing. We talked about it earlier, and you're going around, and granted, Oakland was bad before this. Oakland was not going to, I would say, win more games this year unless they completely flipped the script, got more out of the trades, and everything like that. Well, if they but won more, the then they couldn't justify being sold to Las Vegas. So you yes. knew they were going to be bad this year. I didn't, Christ, I didn't think they were going to be this bad, but. No. You and knew it was going to be bad. Thing is, the biggest thing is, one, for some of these teams, and we'll even go to the Twins back for an example, you were playing everybody this year. Like, this is the first year that everybody is officially playing everyone. And so now, one, you're not just and you said it earlier you're not just looking at your own division you're looking at every single other team around you and you don't have to just go four for four against teams on a weekend series you don't have to try to go three and one can't afford to lose two out of three all the time like I mean you are constantly just on a circle and Oakland is facing teams that are better than them even in the in the National League and they are just getting boat raced by everybody but at the same time you really don't have a lot of names on this team that are extremely relevant to the stardom of the MLB and granted that's not going to be an issue all the time but for Oakland at this point it seems to be they can't buy anybody at the moment 
and you look at a stretch back in April, because I'm like, how do you get to a minus 200 run differential? Well, here's how you here's how you do that. You roll back to the beginning of the year, 13 to one to the Angels. These are losses, by the way. 13-1, six nothing in the first weekend of the Angels. They win the opening game, by the way, two to one. So then you go play the Guardians. All those games are close, 12 to 11, four to three, six to four. Then you go play Tampa. Here's where part of that run differential comes in. Nine to five. Okay, only four. Back to back, 11 0. That's not good. Then the Mets, no. April 14th, outscore you 17 to six, like you're playing football. And then you get in a stretch where, of all the teams, the Cubs and the Rangers, Cubs 10 to one. Cubs four to nothing. Cubs twelve to two. Rangers eighteen to three. This is within the first two weeks of the year. Eighteen to three, and getting smashed by the Cubs a combined twenty six to three in three games. I mean, you're not looking whew, pretty. That is some bad. That's some bad time to be a a good old fashioned. Oakland A's, soon to be Las Vegas A's fan. But you look around the scoreboard today, unless you got something to jump in with there. I really don't. I'm taking a look at all these score lines, and Oakland just, you can't really win games when you're giving up 10 plus runs <laughs> every three to games the of the Cincinnati series. Cincinnati Reds, 11-7. Well, and then you go to the Yankees, 10-5, 11-5, 7-2. When you're giving up five or more runs a game, it's hard to come back from that. And, I mean, still, you're able to take away – excuse me. You're able to take away a win from the Rangers, 9-7 in May. But, I mean, going back down the list, I mean, they were on a losing streak all the way from when they started the Houston series on May 19th all the way down to even going back to Houston at home on the 28th. And we'll say this again. The stands have been just – unbelievably barren i mean you can i could go sit at an oakland game you could buy behind right now, the front row i was oh, gonna yeah, say you could the behind the plate you could probably get them for under 100 bucks and i mean that that's saying something i mean granted it's not saying a whole lot but still i mean you're going to a professional game for you're under 100 bucks behind 14 home plate. and 50 nobody wants to watch that Mm-mm. Unless you're an idiot diehard fan, like if my Blue Jays were 14 and 50, I'd probably still watch them. But there's not many fans that are that diehard that they're going to be like rolling into Oakland Coliseum like, oh, it's game day, baby. We're at 14 and 50, about to have the greatest 36-game winning streak just to get to 500 you've ever seen. I don't think there's many of that down there. If if somebody is that that dumb – Please message us on the podcast. If you shout out to you because here, I am that same dumb, that same dumb person. Oh yeah, because I mean I, I'll be that same dumb person when it comes to college football. I'll be that same dumb person if I live well, in Chicago. I am a diehard know. Cubs fan, and I will I will go as many times as possible just because I love going to to ball games. And I have not been to a lot of major league games, so I'll take it as much as I can go. And I will be there all day. Cubs are gonna win. I'll I'll steal. The Harry Carey quotes, like, I, I will do all the shit just to be a diehard Cubs fan. So, so yeah, there you go. We're both in that boat. 
Shout out to Oakland, who got in a monster win today. We're just going to say monster. Harris, uh, <laughs> actually a pretty cool story. Their starting pitcher, uh, can't remember his first name, Harris, Hogan Harris, there it is. Hogan Harris made there his major league debut on the bump, starting, of course. He's been out of the pen a couple of spots. 9-5 a winner. He goes five innings and gets the job done. Pirates fought back for a little bit in this one, actually. It was 7 nothing out of the gate. Pirates got it down 10 to 7-3. Uh, to three. Had the bases jammed a couple of different times, but couldn't get anything to go. The Athletics... 9-5 winners. San Diego pounds the Mariners 10-3. to Marlins destroy the old Royals 6-1. to Twins and uh, Rays play an interesting one. one to nothing. the score going to the ninth. Twins get one in the top of the ninth. Rays get one in the bottom of the ninth. Rays keep on keeping on 45 wins already. They haven't even lost 20 games yet. Diamondbacks. That's impressive within itself. Uh, you're you haven't lost me. 20 games, and you're you're sitting in this point of the season. And I mean, yeah. Granted, they're 45 and 19, so they're yeah. on that track. They're on a five-game win streak. Seven of their it's last ten on still the wins. 45 wins before you get to 20 losses is incredible. Oh yeah, they're they're kind of running a historic season at the moment. Well, hopefully it stops sooner than later. Diamondbacks get <laughs> you, 15 yeah. hits. They continue to play well. A team that we kind of shrugged off last podcast. They've they're about 12 games above 500. They thumped the Nationals 6-2. Blue Jays get a monster win. Chris Bassett goes eight innings, throws 81 pitches in those eight innings, and then Romano comes on for the ninth inning save in a 3-2 win. Boy, they needed it. Gosman got one uh, back last night. The Jays have now even the series against the Astros this year, three and three decisive Boy. game seven comes up tomorrow night. And didn't Gosman get 13 K's yesterday? Oh, he sure did. That it, still he got I mean, lit up can... the first time. If we go back to one of those early losses in Houston, he got six or seven runs hung on him in the first inning. So it was a really good game to see him get back to it against a really good team. Because like I said, and I'm going to sound like a broken record biased whatever you want to call me alcs time when it's the jays and the astros you are gonna need gosman to go seven eight innings because you're not gonna want to shell your bullpen unless you absolutely need to chris bassett might be that guy too he went eight innings today pitch count wise could have went deeper but i agree with throwing romano out there in a one-run game uh that it's not must win Boy, it'd be bad to blow that game. Well, and so here's an interesting topic. You, you're you looking at a guy who is going, and granted, the Maddox term in baseball comes up for anybody who can throw a complete game in under 100 pitches. Because Greg Maddox had thrown a lot of them. Greg Maddox is obviously the founding father, as you would, of doing that. At what point do you say, and granted, there were two runs already against Bassett mm-hmm. at what point do you say maybe we can keep him in he's gone through the lineup maybe a handful of times what point is too late and what point is too early because I mean you'll see guys sometimes get pulled in a in a no hitter situation potentially and they've still got a lot left in the tank according to what it looks like but they might be they lost the control of one pitch but they still have control of like 
three other pitches that can get him out of a jam. Do you think they, and you obviously said that it was a good decision to pull Bassett, but do you think there could have been a situation where you kept Bassett in and he could have gone a complete game? Here's my take on that, and I hate to respect the Houston Astros this much because of how much cheating and bullshit they've done. (laughs) This game to me, and I kind of alluded to it, I I don't want to say it's a must win because it's way too early in the year for that, but you're up against Houston with a shot to put them away. They let him go eight innings. I, If you're playing almost literally anybody else, you know, I'm looking at, you know, maybe if it's Tampa and it's a one-run game, but if you're playing like the Twins or the Reds or the Red Sox or the Royals, anybody that's like worse than the elite teams in the AL or NL for that matter, then let him go. But I, I like the decision tonight. I mean, get you to 35 wins, uh, gives you a shot to take three of four from Houston, which after the not so good month of May, the team had, <laughs> uh, it gets you right back in it. I mean, you know, you're chasing Tampa. You just, I don't know. I, I don't mind the move. It, it is really weird to be seeing a number that low in the pitch count department and being like, yeah, sure. Pull him. But it felt right for the game tonight. Fair enough. I like the take on it. I like it. Guardians. Got to get the wins when you can. Yeah, especially against that team. Oh, uh, shit. Guardians beat the Bo Sox 5-2. Guardians five games under five hundred, and are the uh, second-place team in the Central. Reds get a uh, bottom-of-the-ninth walk-off win against the uh, Dodgers. Reds are only four games under five hundred. They're kind of hanging around in a NL Central that's been shaky at best. Uh, yeah, Horrible that's a per, that's a pretty points. good way to sum it up. <laughs> I mean the the Cubs and Cardinals are shaky at best. Cardinals have been astoundingly bad. Uh, the the Reds are on the other side of that spectrum of five games out of first. I mean, after last year going as poorly as it did. Uh, Reds get the win there. Mets fall to the Braves 7-5. to Brewers club the Orioles 10-2. to Cardinals pick up a 1-0 win over the Rangers. Rockies fall to the Giants. After leading 4-0, they give up 3 in the 7th, 2 in the 8th, and route to a Giants 5-4 win. Uh, Cubby Bears get smacked by the Angels 6-2. to two, And then air quality postponements from Canadian wildfires include the Detroit Tigers taking on the Phillies and the White Sox taking on the Yankees. At least the White Sox-Yankees game I know yesterday was already kind of dealing with this where the uh, air quality was listed as bad. Well, if you've seen the videos on Twitter, the, especially the red sky, oh, man, oh. that is insane. Oh. Well, and even pregame, I think it was where the sky was just completely gray and you can see the difference, obviously, like storm clouds. There's yeah. a lot of a darker gray. This had so much of a haze within the last couple of days. Like New York has just been getting doused by these wildfires. And obviously, like we're going to take a quick moment here. We pray for all the people that are affected by the wildfires up there. Like. Um, 
Canada obviously got a lot of beautiful nature up there, so they're getting affected by that. So, but still, I mean, it's thoroughly impressive how much of an effect that kind of stuff has, even a couple hundred miles, a thousand miles. Like, it's amazing how much of a difference that can actually make to the quality of how air is, sky is, everything like that. So, it's probably best that the or the games got postponed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they got them in yesterday, but even yesterday, oh, yeah. and some of the pictures, you're kind of going, I don't know, it seemed a little shaky, but they got them in yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it is uh, what it is for those teams. Like you said, bigger fish to fry than worrying about the uh, two baseball the... games that got postponed. So, uh, in Indeed. synopsis, we talked about the uh, AL division leaders: Texas, Minnesota, and Tampa. Other notables, Baltimore, New York, Toronto, Houston, really. I mean, other than that, they're worse than that. NL side of things, Atlanta, Miami, top two in the NL East. We've ragged on the NL Central that's led by Milwaukee. Cubs, or uh, Pirates, I should say, only a game and a half back. I want to throw the Reds in there. I mean, we don't ever get to talk about them hardly in a positive light, but they're only five games back. How about the old Diamondbacks, baby, leading the NL West 37-25. and 25. Two games back, the Dodgers further back, the Giants, Padres, and the Rockies. So that's a it's, quick look at the uh, NL, AL, and MLB. It'll be interesting to see how the Diamondbacks are able to hold. I hope they, they go hold. the entire way and win the NL. Jays and Diamondbacks. That's going to be our World Series this year. Dude, honestly, that'd be pretty great. As a a Cubs fan, I would love to see the Cubs Blue Jays be in a World Series. Then I'd have to go to Wrigley Field and pay what I can only (laughs) imagine would be staggering ticket prices. Oh, dude. I've already had the thought of I absolutely hope the Blue Jays play in either like Minnesota's, like the only regional, like realistic (laughs) regional team but yeah like a first round game against minnesota that'd be cool that'd be cool but yeah it'll be it would kind of be nice to see the diamondbacks kind of get their get their stride back from what was it 2005 2001 2005 something like that 2001 sounds more correct let's see arizona World Series. Back. We got to go straight to the look at old Google's. Because <laughs> I believe they beat the Yankees, didn't they? They did on a walk-off winner up the middle. Two thousand one, they won in Game Seven over the New it. York. Yeah, I was going to say two thousand five is way too recent. The friggin' Diamondbacks have won a World it, Series more saying, recently than the Blue Jays it have. Two thousand five. It's there you go. But it would be nice to kind of see the Diamondbacks go into that because I remember being a kid when that was a thing. I told my mom, I was like, we were kind of just hanging out at the park. I said, Mom, what time is it? Like, we got to get home. We got to watch the Diamondbacks play in the World Series. Like, I was so excited. And I was, at that point, oddly enough, the biggest friggin' Diamondbacks fan on the face of the earth besides every diehard in Arizonian in the, in the States. But I was so excited to watch them. That was the most sarcastic the thing Series. I think I've heard you say this entire podcast. What that I was excited to actually die hard Arizonian. Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, dude, I was 
dope. Go Diamondbacks, baby. Yes, sir. When do the Jays play the Diamondbacks? Maybe I'll pack up. Oh, they play north of the border right after the All-Star break. And if I want to go down to the get down to the awesome climate of Arizona, oh, we only might might only play once this year. Never mind. There you go. Yep. Just like we don't play in uh, Chicago this year either. We play. Um, Chicago comes north of the border. Tough. 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 Someday tough. I'll get over to Wrigley. I'm going over in August, baby. Cubs Braves the weekend of August fifth. We're going. There so you there will go. be pictures, there will be TikToks, there will be everything <laughs> we're going. Two weeks after that, I'm down in Cincinnati for the Jays and the Reds. Fun fact. We're gonna Man, have a we're gonna up. be so great in August. Everything's <laughs> gonna be uh everything's gonna be just top top notch. Top notch for the boys, eh? Alright, and on that high note of the nice A thrown in there. We're going to everybody's favorite segment. We don't have the XFL anymore, but we've got the USFL. You know how much you love these wonderful... Uh, the segues, the funness. Wonderful, you know, score updates. And boy, do we got them for you. Last weekend, the Gamblers of Houston, 20. The Maulers of Pittsburgh, 19. Gamblers 5-3 and three now. The Stallions of Birmingham beat the Philadelphia Stars 27-24. Stallions now 6-2. and two. The New Jersey Generals get thumped by the Memphis Showboats 25-16. 5-3 the Showboats are. And the New Orleans Breakers beat the Michigan Panthers 24-20. Breakers now 5-3. Games coming up this weekend. Saturday on Fox at 11 a.m., the Michigan Panthers take on the Pittsburgh Maulers at 2 p.m. on NBC and Peacock. It's the New Orleans Breakers taking on the Memphis Showboats, both 5-3. and three. Should be a fairly good game. Maybe not as good as this one, though. The Sunday early game, weird times for the Sunday games, by the way. 11-2 and two for Saturday, 1-6. Trying to Odd. get a nightcap on Sunday, see if people... Getting the uh, interesting one there. But anyway, Birmingham Stallions, which should be the nightcap, by the way. The Stallions and Gamblers are 6-2 and two and 5-3. and three, Give way to a nightcap of the 4-4 four and four Stars and the 2-6 and six Generals. But the 1 o'clock game, fascinating. Stallions, Gamblers at uh, 1 on NBC. And the Fox nightcap, 4-4 four and four Stars take on the 2-6 and six Generals. Standings. Because I know everybody's wondering. The North is terrible and the South <laughs> is not. What a weird sentence to say out loud. Uh, Stallions wow. six and two uh, lead the South, and then uh, five and three the rest of the way. Uh, showboats, Breakers, and Gamblers all five and three, and then the uh, awful North Stars four and four, Panthers three and five, and the terrible New Jersey Generals and Maulers at two and a six. That is your look at the USFL. Boom. And we got to update the old NBA because I know oh. people that are not me care a lot about the NBA. <laughs> well, Nick's got Nick's to gotta take a quick second here. So we're, we're calling here. We've been sitting on the pod for two hours, and apparently Nick is not. 
It's been an hour and 25 minutes, but sure. Has it? We've been <laughs> on the phone for two hours. I've well, that's that's a fact. While JC goes and updates the NBA, Nick is going to take a slight hiatus here. We will be back in just a second. Yeah, well, Nick was taking a hiatus earlier and I think got distracted. So now he's officially hitting the road. Game one against the uh, Nuggets and the Heat as he takes that headset off. 104-93, final score. Big second quarter for the Nuggets helped them pull away. Uh, The Heat pulled it close with a good fourth quarter from them. Game two. Saw the Heat and the Nuggies play and saw the Heat come back with an explosive fourth quarter, winning that one 111-108. And the game on Wednesday, 109-94 for game three. The Nuggets get it done. They lead two games to one. Game four coming up uh, tomorrow at 7.30, Monday for game five. And then we start talking about the if necessary games Game six, the 15th, and game seventh, uh, game seventh, game seven in Denver, June the 18th. So there you go. That's a brief look at the old NBA finals as uh, we look at that. And now, while we wait for Nick to make his triumphant return, Someday I'm going to remember to buy Pokemon cards. Wow, your headset makes so much noise when you pick it up. It is incredible. It's it's the different one because usually when we have the podcast and I'm on here with the the board, I've got the good old normal headset. This one's the gaming headset with the Astros. So that one's Uh, back on it connected to the phone. So we apologize for the inconvenience. (laughs) Attaboy. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, a look at uh, episode 64. Unless Nick's got anything to uh, talk about other than the fact that uh, RC and I are going to see a uh, Stanley Cup picked up by the uh, Golden Knights on Saturday night. Tough. I I don't really have an argument for that. It's. I feel I, like if you're I feel like you're in the situation right now of you just hope the team is close in the third period. That is honestly where I'm at because, I mean, I would love to see this game go. And granted, just for just for the sake of uh, Kenny being on the pot as much as he was for the couple of times we've had him and just being probably one of the the best buds out of the, the room, I mean, it would be fun to see his, his team get a win. I mean, he's seen the Dodgers get a World Series. He's been waiting to see the the knights hoist a cup so it'd be nice for him to and rc to get the the stanley cup win i can wait a little bit with the panthers <laughs> i was so, gonna say well, you are so much more gracious than i would be at this point if this was my team down two, i would uh not be nearly as as um pleasant <laughs> as pleasant my, about it because you have to remember i've seen no titles for any of my teams ever that is also like that that is I wouldn't say shocking, but that's honestly like kind of one of those things where you never, I'm trying to see how to like actually, all right, words are coming to me now. Okay. So you never actually like really talk to a lot of people that say, oh yeah, I've never really seen like a a world series. I've never really seen this like Kansas city. You see people get the world series there. The Cubs obviously back in 2016, um, you've seen Super Bowls for like Packers fans. You are like only one of two Bears fans that I know 
that haven't seen a chance, or I think actually you are the only Bears fan that I have met that has not seen a championship. Well, when uh, Gim and I wasn't alive for the first one. Yeah, and so so you then, think about it like this: the the Blue Jays haven't won since '93. I wasn't alive for that. The Bears haven't won since '85. I haven't was not alive for that. They got thumped in '06 when I was like five or six years old. The Devils haven't won since '03, and haven't been to one since 2012. So I saw neither of those. Like, yeah, it's I just apparently can't pick teams that win. Although, you know, hearing the Diamondbacks have won more recently, the Royals have won more recently, and the Cubs have won more recently is, you know, not not a great thing to hear. No, it's so not. So when, you, when you're like, your graciousness of like, you know, it's just not my team's year, it, you know, it's nice to hear because if this pod ever gets to the point where one of my teams gets there and we get, we're down like 3-0, 3-1, Oh, I geez, can promise you, I will not be this this nice about it. Mostly because I just want to see him. I just want to see my teams win one, man. I've never seen oh, it. it. Well, RC's that's got freaking Baltimore. Baltimore Ravens won it back in 2012. Yeah, he's gonna have the Knights win it this year. You've got the freaking Cubs winning it. You got the freaking Denver the Broncos Cubs. winning it. I've got the Toronto Raptors winning it. Yeah. The only one that's really the only one that's really missing for me besides Florida is a Cornhusker. Well, that's never going to happen. Game. So. I fuck. Oh my lord. It You will see a dude. Florida Panthers title before a Nebraska National Championship. I I can't put money on that. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I was going to say, I can. I can the, the long pause told me you're like, I really want to argue this. And then you like digested it for a couple of seconds and you're like, it's like the frat boy thing all over again where you like tried to like argue it and then you like digested it and you're like, huh, well, that's not good. It, well, because um, I'm trying to think here, but at the same time, Every time that we've gotten a new coach, it seems so successful out of the gate, and then it just drops off the map. We're hoping this is not the case with good old Mark Rule here, but you know what? I I have no idea. I can't predict the future. So. You know, the real test would be if Nebraska wins a national championship before any of my teams make it to a title and win it. Now that is a bet I can take. Well, that's a bet that I'm not willing to make because I haven't seen any of mine get particularly close. Blue Jays uh, got to the uh, ALCS twice back in 15 and 16. Uh, Colorado Buffaloes got to the uh, Pac-12 title that year. 2015 and 16 was two years that were elite. You had, yeah, but Colorado also had to go through a Utah team that at that time was... We got a quarterback hurt. Oh, Don't yeah. forget in that title game... He got hurt like two plays into the game, and then we got just run out of the building in our bowl game because we had no business being there with a backup quarterback. But, yeah, so I haven't seen anybody come close since 2006. Well, and the the biggest thing I'll say for for Colorado was they did have a team of wideouts that year. They, were, in, so, they were so good that year. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing. Everybody had them winning the Pac-12, specifically on offense alone. Which, yeah, it granted, sure looked like they were going to. If the yeah. quarterback doesn't get hurt, I bet they do. And then if they won that, they were going to have a pretty good shot to make. I don't know if the college football playoff was a thing, but 
they were going to have a shot to be top five at that point. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, they missed it. So it's all it's all history now. It will it will get there. <laughs> That's the spirit. It will get there. And so, yeah, well, there you go. Anything you, we go. you got to add other than, you know, shout out to Parlor Root Beer and their delicious birch beer. Shout out to Bud Light Seltzer and their delicious seltzer sours. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Sam Adams and their summer citrus ale. And shout out to Bush Latte because we love Bush Latte. This podcast is this a podcast. massive Bush Latte fan. And, well... Since we don't have anything else to add, you can check us out on uh, the old uh, Instagram. You can check us out on TikTok, Gmail, if you want to send us an email, want to be a part of this tremendously exciting podcast, or Twitter, Facebook. I'm probably missing a platform we're on, but anywhere. Did you get TikTok? Oh, yeah. TikTok's always towards the top of the list, and, you know, you're listening to this podcast now, but pretty much anywhere that's not uh, Apple, Apple Store, whatever the hell it is, uh, that's where you can listen to podcasts. So, you know, big ones are Podbean, Spotify, but we're on uh, quite a few places out there as well. And with that, for Nick, I'm JC. This has been uh, The Covert Show, episode number 64.